Welcome back to Iowa Heartlanders Weekly, and we are back with uh, after a little cold and some uh, uh, flu and some traveling and and uh, some gritting things out. We got David Fine back. Welcome back to the program, David. Absolutely, feeling good today, Dave. Just a little 24, 48 hour bug for me. Nothing crazy. Ready to uh, ready to call some games again. <laughs> Well, I used to drive a, a truck over the road for a lot of years, I did, you know, and it, there would be times where you'd be, you know, in Alabama or or up in New York or something, and you got a, a flu or something comes on you, and but there's nobody to help you, and you still got to deliver your loads and get back home, so, because you're, you know, so what's it like for you or for a hockey player or for a coach, you know? to be sick on the road and, and still have to play and still have, still have to broadcast and your voice is all tore up and everything. Yeah. It's not, it's not fun. It's not as fun as it would be, but um, I think from like from a player side and just as it is, whether you're doing any job, you want to make sure you're feeling hundred percent. I, I mean, I'll be, I'll be fine here in the next little bit, just a matter of, um, you know, like when you're, vo- it hurts from the broadcaster side when your voice isn't great. My, my voice is fine, but when, when your voice isn't great, when you're on the road, you kind of feel a little banged up. It's like you know you're not doing the job as good as you could, so that kind of stinks. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's the same as any profession. You just, you know, you want to be able to to do your job well. And, you know, if you it's happened to everyone a thousand times, players, coaches, myself, you know, other broadcasters. Hey, you just want to, you want to feel good and Hopefully you're, uh, you know, sound, sound good and, and performing well. So nothing too crazy. Well, uh, speaking of doing things well, uh, I want to talk, go back to that last homestand. And particularly, let's, I really want to talk about this game where all the kids were bust in. And uh, we, uh, I think it was Bush that had a hat trick and everything went our way. And uh, I don't think you could have picked a better game to plant seeds for the Iowa Heartlanders fans for the future than that game. T- tell me about how it was put together and what a success it was and what was the feedback about that? Yeah, it was back on December 14th. It feels like it was like three years ago. It was only two weeks ago, um, which is just the, the nature of uh, nature of the CHL and minor league hockey. A lot of games and not a lot of days. Um, but yeah, Hartlanders won that one five to one. From a planning standpoint, it took a lot. I mean, it was mainly uh, schools, fifth graders from the Iowa City Central School District, mainly fifth graders from some other districts as well. And I think that the thing that was most, um, you know, resounding positive from it is that, we, you know, the, the kids were were into it. And it's not just because they're kids. Like, they they were excited to just be there and be at the game. And not only that, but there were a lot of kids just wearing, like, Heartlanders gear and T-shirts that, you know, I, I don't know if – you could say going in like, oh, you know, maybe a few kids would their their parents would put on the Heartlanders shirt for them. But there were a lot of kids and even teachers that were wearing the stuff around, which is which is a good sign. And then in terms of on the ice, it was a clean game. There weren't any fights, which is a good thing. You never want fights on a school day game or not. That's not what you want. Um, so, you know, to have about 1,500, 2,000 people there and kids there. Uh, mainly, again, from the Iowa City area. Now the, the goal for next year is just to build it into something bigger and better. But there's so much planning that goes on behind the scenes because it's like when you have school school day game, kids are coming in at scheduled times. They're often leaving a few minutes before the game ends so they can get back to school, and it's not like a rush of you know a few thousand people leaving. So um, with that being said, like 
the behind the scenes work the Heartlanders front office did was immense, not just a week before, but like three, four, five weeks before to, you know, make sure all the details were in place. And then even further than that, two or three months before as the district signed on and yada, yada, yada. So I think the goal for next year is let's just make it bigger and better. Well, uh, it was, uh, how, how, how did the logistics and everything, did, was it smooth and, and, uh, was the schools and everybody happy with the results? I think so. I, I, I think that, you know, based on what, what, and again, I'm not, I'm not talking to the principals or talking to the teachers or talking to the, you know, um, superintendent kind of thing. But from what I heard from other people in the front office was that everybody had a fun time. And, you know, based on the, you know, the correspondence with the school districts since then, it's like, yeah, this was, this was great. Can't wait to hopefully, you know, do it again next year. So what that means is that for next year, when there's, uh, when this, when the schedule comes out is that the, the Heartlanders will, you know, get right back to work and kind of try to identify a day early on as opposed to later on, because, you know, you, there's a lot of planning from even the school districts and think about, you know, an entire school district's fifth graders, um, that's part of their class plan. You know, that's part of their, their field trip, their lesson plan, so to speak. So I think that that's, um, you know, something to keep in mind too, is that probably in about four or five months when the Heartlanders have a better idea of what their schedule will look like for their third year in the league is that you're going to see a lot of, um, you're going to see that kind of planning already being done that now we have the knowledge of to make it even bigger for next season. Well, I would love to, to see, uh, you know, the Kyoto schools and the mid prairies and the Washingtons and the Sigourney's and these bordering communities, you know, all those little, little schools, uh, uh, get their kids a chance to see that too. Uh, because man, I just, the energy was off the charts, but I want to ask you, uh, in that game, we had a lot of high performers, you know, guys that really, really uh, did well. And um, that was an important game to, to build fans for the future of this franchise. Maybe the most important game for that perspective of it that we maybe ever had. So tell me about some of the kid, some of the players that we had that really stood out and performed well uh, in that game that really made our franchise look good. Yeah, there's two that come to mind. Hunter Jones was really good. And, you know, Hunter's just like the, the word that you can use to describe him this year in terms of the strides from last season. He's just a consummate professional this year. And um, you can see it in his approach every day. And, I'm, you know, I'm lucky enough to be around the team most days um, when they're on the ice or, you know, get a chance maybe to watch a couple minutes of practice or, you know, normally go down to the down to the locker room in the morning and just say hi to the coaches, see what's going on, run into a few of the guys. And like <clears throat> Hunter's attitude this year has just been fantastic. So in that game, he only allowed one goal. It was his first win of the season. Then the second player, Tyler Bush, had his uh, first professional hat trick. He scored uh, his first three goals with Iowa as well. And he ended it with an empty netter at the end of the game, which, you know, I guess that's a little bit melodramatic to get an empty netter on a uh, wide open net, but or to get a hat trick on a wide open net, like an empty netter like that. But, um, you know, he, he's been really good. He's just under a point per game for the team this season for a reason. And I think that, you know, when you, you look at the moves, because the, the Heartlanders made three trades and had seven roster moves in one day with players coming in and out. That was in early November when the team was still looking for its first win. Um, and there were a ton of trades in the league that day, but Tyler was one of the players the Heartlanders got. And if you looked at it on paper, it's like, 
okay, you know, he's pretty good with Fort Wayne. You know, he gets a point every two or three games, you know, on average. And, um, more of a more of a third line role with the Comets last year on a good Fort Wayne team that made the playoffs um, and, and, you know, went deep into the first round against Wheeling. Um, but, you know, like he he's been just it's the perfect symbolism for, you know, it's a young team. It's a growing team. And to have a guy like that where he's in his second year in the ECHL, his third year pro, he's an old guy on this team. Hunter Jones on an average team or Tyler Bush, they're both in their third years. They're, you know, they're kind of just middle younger guys. A lot of teams have fourth and fifth and sixth year guys. But I think that's what speaks to the positivity of where the Heartlanders are right now is that even despite all the things that have gone against them with injuries and, you know, not a, not a ton of, um, you know, a lot of call-ups, which is going to happen because those guys are on AHL deals, et cetera. Even with all of that, the team is still relatively close to you win three, four, five games in a row, and all of a sudden you're right back in it, um, which is, you know, why guys like you, I mean, I'm talking more generally, but Tyler Bush and Hunter Jones are two of the players that are going to be really, really, really relied upon in the, you know, now start of the unofficial second half of the year. Because um, when you get back from the holidays, everybody kind of considers this now the second half of the season, and that's where the Heartlanders are at. Well, uh, you mentioned it. So his game, it seemed like it was October when we started playing games and uh, had the Iowa Wild come down here, and then everything just kind of kicked off uh, uh, back then. But uh, uh, after that Wednesday game, we had something that we barely had at all, all year long, uh, month, just to mention home game at all, but we had a Saturday night home. And uh, uh, I think it was, might have been the second time we played at home on a Saturday night all season, or second or third. It hasn't been very many. But, yeah, now in January, it's going to heat up. That's well, yeah, this was – you, you stole my thunder. I was about to build up to – we're going to make up for all that in January uh, with a bunch of home games. But I want to talk about Yuki Saturday night putting us on top in the overtime game and maybe his biggest moment as a Heartland. I, yeah, it seems funny you say that. I didn't really think of that, that that may have been his his best moment as a Heartlander. There's a lot of them that come to mind. But, yeah, I mean, that was his first overtime winning goal of his career. And everybody loves Yuki. I mean, how can you not? This year he's been, you know, he's been good. Like, he's got four goals and nine points and about a quarter, a little bit more than a quarter of the season. He's pretty much on pace for where he was um, last season. And, yeah, the Heartlanders won that game 2-1 to one in overtime. and. He's, he, I think the thing that's most impressive to me about Yuki this year is at the start of the year, I don't know if there any fault of his own um, or just kind of the way it shook out, that he was more thrust into a, you know, being a third liner or like, you know, kind of the extra forward at the very start of the year. And I think that's partially because of where the Heartlanders sat, where they were, you know, obviously a little bit healthier. Um, and they had a few other pieces down from the AHL, but now he's really progressed into a player where he is a playmaker on one of the top two lines. And as a result, he's gotten a little bit more, you know, point production here in the last few weeks, um, going back to just before the holiday. But yeah, I'd say, Dave, that that overtime goal, I'm trying to think off the top of my head of some of his biggest moments. I remember his first goal against Fort Wayne. That was a Sunday game. He scored goals in three straight games against Wheeling and Wichita. This, I'm going back to last year now. Um, I think the only two moments that are comparable in my mind 
which I would still probably put the overtime winner maybe number one. Um, but the two moments that are comparable to me is he scored the um, he scored two goals against Toledo in a come from behind win, including the game winning goal. Scored two straight for the team, if I remember right. Or, or uh, he scored one at the beginning of the third, and then uh, one a little bit later on. But he scored two goals to upset Toledo in what was you know one of the one of the key moments of Iowa's inaugural season. That's thing one. Thing two is that if you remember, he got hurt really badly against Tulsa, where you know his spleen and his uh, his liver were lacerated, and he had to miss um, almost two months. And he came back and he scored on on one of his first shots of the game against Tulsa back in um, mid February. So. Those are the only two moments I'd put as comparable to what he did in overtime because that was a huge moment for him, I think, too. You know, again, coming from where he's come from and some of the adversity that the team and he has faced this year, um, I think that that's, that's, where, that's where the rubber kind of meets the road for him is, you know, he always seems to overcome adversity. And, yeah, he scored a big goal in overtime for the team. Yeah, uh, last year, you know, uh, uh, he could have been 100%, you know. Always marveled at how great he could skate and everything, but I think this year and here recently, really, we're really seeing all that potential. Him and Hunter Jones, Hunter Jones, uh, I'm gonna agree with you on that. Uh, he might be the one of the most improved players on the team, uh, and uh, yeah. Yuki's and it, Yuki's right up there with him. Uh, it's kind of exciting to see these guys kind of live out to their potential, and uh, you know, who knows what kind of nagging injuries and and you know how how great you could skate after your spleen was injured. Uh, I, I couldn't uh, skate very good with a full intact spleen, to be honest with you. But, uh, but I think, for, I, I think you know, he's, you he's racking, you're right. He's racking up a lot of, of great moments as an Iowa Heartlander. And uh, uh, I think every time he, every time he takes a picture with a kid, that that's another great moment, ain't it? Yeah. It's, I mean, again, every guy on the team is always ready, willing and able. And that's one of my favorite things about hockey, but um, you know, he, he's, he's a fan favorite. Everybody loves him. Like I, I think even the guys that are newer this year, you know, all of a sudden they see, you know, Yuki touches the puck and, and you immediately get the same 50 people saying, you know, hey, Yuki, Yuki, like every time he touches the puck in every home game over the last two years. And it's like, people just love the guy. He's a rock star. He's a rock star for a reason. Well, uh, if I was the coach of a team, and I was uh, talking to a, a player that it was going to be on my team the first time. And I says, look, son, if you conduct yourself on the, on the ice and off the ice and in the community, as Yuki does, he says, you will uh, go a long ways, not just on this team, but in life. And uh, uh, I really like everything he does on the ice and even more everything he does off the ice. He has been a tremendous asset to uh our area of the state of Iowa and that uh, Iowa city corridor area. Uh, and he's represents us well. And uh, that was a big win because that kept our, our record at home, a winning record. And uh, uh, everybody likes to go out and, and see him. I don't know why uh, they are so inspired to play at home, but uh, you guys had a guest on the road uh, uh, Friday night uh, in Kansas city as uh Super fan Mark Corver made the trip down there. What what was it like to see him on the road? <laughs> I was worried that the Kansas City fans might be a little bit rougher on him, uh, just because he was kind of the, the the lone deer in the sea of Mavericks, so to speak. But no, it was great to see him. I caught up with him just for two or three minutes before um, before warmups, 
and the team got on the ice um, and he was kind of, I kind of had my eye on him the entire night because he was sitting right behind one of the goals. So um, as my head would turn and kind of say, you know, I could see him pretty easily there from my little corner spot in, uh, in Kansas city. It's cool when you see Heartlanders fans come on the road. Um, I remember even going back to last year, like, you know, cause we're not as close to, is some of these cities as you know like toledo is an hour and a half two hours from fort wayne and two hours from kalamazoo so that's a pretty easy trip you're home by midnight if you're you know a, a toledo walleye fan and you want to go watch your team play on the road in a few spots anyway the point i'm trying to make is i still remember last year like the first couple times where i saw you know heartlanders jerseys on the road and you know people from iowa making the trip to you know whatever city the heartlanders would go it's cool like it's cool to see mark um and i think the thing that I was worried about is how the heck was Mark going to like get home. And, you know, because the, the roads were so bad um, last week at this time. And, you know, a week ago it was negative 35 degrees in, in Kansas city with the wind chill. And now it's like a beautiful 50 degree day here in classic Iowa Midwest form. Um, but I was, I asked the first thing I said is how the heck did you get here? Because, and how long did it take you? He lives a little bit further South of Iowa city there. So it was, I guess he didn't go on, on I-80 where there was a ton of problems. He said he took it more local and he just took it easy. Um, but yeah, like that was my first worry was how the heck did he get here? Because that snowstorm was brutal um, in terms of the blowing snow and the ice. And I'm kind of glad all the snow has melted away, even though I'm sure it'll come back here in the next few weeks. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad Mark was there. He was, uh, you know, the boys love seeing him every time. They know who he is. So it was good to, uh, it was good to see him. Well, I'm sure Mark in the sea of Mavericks, uh, had the same thing. Once Ty Cobb was asked, he says, when you play on the road, I mean, you stand out in the outfield and it's just a chorus of boos. I mean, what's it like to have 40,000 people boo you? And you know what Ty Cobb said? He said, wonderful. It feels wonderful. You know, and I think Mark could relate to that. Uh, you know, uh, but, uh, yeah, well, what is it? What is it? You know what I mean? What is it like for the players, for the coach, for you know, for the broadcasters to see how dedicated an Iowa Heartlanders fan would have to be to do that? Well, I think you know, I I think they love it. First of all, I I've never heard a professional player ever say anything that they kind of that they're the same thing. They kind of love getting booed on the road. Like they kind of embrace it you know, you're doing something right. If they're, if the, if the visiting team is booing you. Um, so yeah, like they, they I would say that, I, first of all, I've never heard a, 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 you know, a professional player say anything other than just that they, they love that kind of experience. They love the challenge of getting a road crowd to hate you or, you know, to, to dislike you or to, you know, to try to win a game on the road. Um, so that's thing one. And then, yeah, when, when there's a, when one of your fans is on the road, like the players notice it's, you know, yeah, they're hyper focused on the game, but they look around, they see who's in the crowd, they hear they hear everything that's you know, for the most part, they hear everything that's kind of directed their way, especially as they're walking off the ice. Like they're not they're not robots, they're human beings. They the same way you would hear if someone shouted to you across the grocery store, shouted your name and said something rude to you, <laughs> they hear it when they're coming off the ice. So um, yeah, like they, they, they like it. They like they like that kind of vibe. And then secondly, they like when and love when you know, some of the some of the hometown fans make it on the road, which I think is, you know, it's cool to see because, again, like 
Kalamazoo is five and a half hours away and Kansas City is four and a half hours away. And everywhere else is six or seven hours away. So it's not necessarily an easy trip and you kind of got to make a weekend out of it. So in summary, they have really appreciated even more, I think, with the Heartlanders because they're not necessarily, you know, close, um, like an hour or two away from any of their division or, uh, you know, regional opponents. Well, it's been a little while since I talked to you and I'm enjoying, you know, you have a lot to say and there's been a lot going on and everything. Uh, but uh, I, I'm looking at the clock here and I noticed we were over 20 minutes into this and we haven't even focused on the mission you know, of putting some butts in the seats for Friday and Saturday. So uh, talk to me about uh, what's going on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, so the team's on the road uh, for this Friday and Saturday at Kansas City. Again, kind of a weird schedule. But then next week, the team plays three games on January 4th, January 6th, and January 7th. All of them are against the Indy Fuel. Um, so starting next Wednesday, you know, Wednesday night game, There's normally those are a little bit quieter around the league. But, um, you know, if you got nothing to do on a Wednesday night at six uh, or 7.05 p.m., uh, Wednesday, January the 4th. And then the 6th and the 7th are obviously the bigger nights. They're going to do some nice group nights as well for the Heartlanders. So on January 6th, Saturday, uh, Friday, January 6th, 7 o'clock, that's the Rose Jersey Friday's back. Team plays the Indy Fuel. And then the 7th is the big night, Dave. So Mossy Oak Night and a bobblehead giveaway. I'm not going to spoil what the bobblehead is yet, but basically the team's embrace. It's kind of like embracing camo, hunting outdoors, Mossy Oak Night. Um, where they're going to be wearing special camouflage Mossy Oak jerseys. If you bid on a jersey and you win, you get to meet the player whose jersey you won after the game. Um, there's a camo hat ticket package. I've seen some of the camo hats sitting around the office. They're awesome. Um, and then, yeah, if you if you wear camo to the game, you can win some in-game prizes, which is cool. The you know, Heartlander staff will identify you. Um, or you can head up to like the ticket booth to learn more. But the big thing is that the bobblehead giveaway and Mossy Oak jerseys presented by um, presented by Dash Auctions for that. So Saturday, January seventh is the big night with the with um, you know the Mossy Oak night and kind of embracing camo in the outdoors. And I think that's something that resonates in Iowa. And I hope to uh, see a lot of people there. I know Mark's all jazzed up about that. He's been telling me about that for a couple of weeks. So I was excited about that. But I just want to focus on Friday and Saturday night. What kind of action are we going to see? What are the storylines? What what do we got to do to put another win or two on the board uh, before the year's over? Yeah, the, so again against Kansas City, they they on paper right now are are pretty banged up. Um, they've won a, a lot of close games and they've lost a lot of close games. They're kind of similar to the Heartlanders over the last month. When Kansas City has their four or five guys healthy or down from the AHL and the Coachella Valley Firebirds, they're like this high flying team that the Heartlanders saw a couple times at the beginning of the year. But right now, I think that, you know, if the Heartlanders can try to grind out a 2-1 or a 3-1 or a 3-2 kind of win, I feel like, you know, one of my one of my favorite things, Dave, going into a game is, one, you never know what to expect, but you can kind of in your head start to formulate a, you know, a plan of how you think the Heartlanders can win. Team's going to have a lot of energy coming out of the holiday break. They're going to want to get some revenge against Kansas City because they just dropped two in a row to Kansas City before the break. In close games, each was a one-goal game where Kansas City got a couple empty netters um, and that one right before the break. So I think it's going to be more of the same. Uh, uh, you know, if, if, you had to, if you had to put money 
on, you know, how many combined goals are going to be scored each night. If the lineups are about as similar as they were to, you know, a couple games ago, you're probably looking at a game where it's close into the second and the third period, probably another one goal game down the stretch for Iowa. So I think they have to embrace that and, you know, know that just like it's been the last month and a half, every game's a one goal game. It feels like, and you know, it'll probably be playing out pretty similarly in Kansas city on Friday and Saturday. Well, I'll tell you what, I ain't done this all year long, but I'm going to break out a round guy guarantee. <laughs> and we're going to round guy guarantee a win against the Kansas City Mavericks because the Kansas City Mavericks have been getting under my skin this year. By get, they seem to be coming out on top of us. And uh, But I'm, you Heartlander players that are listening to this, I'm expecting a little extra fire out of you this weekend, a little extra pushing little extra shoving and a uh, little extra goal scoring and come out on top. Plus, I think Hunter Jones and Kapersky and uh, maybe even Tristan get in there. But we're going to we're going to shut them down. We're going to bring in uh, we're going to bang them boards and we're going to crash that net and we're going to get uh, some old uh, north south football style, uh, uh, you know, fullback right up the middle kind of win. What do you think? I, 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 well, first of all, I love the round guy guarantee because I would love a little round guy guarantee win, um, and we need that. Uh, so I, that's that's the first thing. Second thing is I think you're exactly right. Is that you know there, there needs to be just a in a winning effort. One of my favorite expressions in hockey is like sort of did you do enough to win? Um, I think that's a that's sort of a try truism. Like you know at the end of the night you can kind of look back and say did we do enough to win? And I feel like the last few games, Iowa maybe hasn't done enough. They've come close, but they haven't done just enough to, to get the win. So I think that, yeah, like, you know, it's been a few games and it's time to get back on the winning train. I think that you're, uh, you've are you designed a nice game plan there, Dave. So I love the guarantee and I'm looking forward to it. I want them just get out there and smack those Kansas City Mavericks in the mouth. Because, gosh, do you remember that last year? Some of them games at, uh, right there in Coralville between Kansas City and uh, – uh, uh, Iowa Heartlanders last year's teams. I mean, there's some real big dust ups, wasn't there? Yeah, that was it was nasty last year. This year's a little bit different. They've actually fought four times this year, but in four games, so it's like one a game. But that feels like normal against them based on last year, where it was like, and I wasn't even used to it, where it's just right off the hop. Every game was 50, 60, 70 combined penalty minutes. I mean, the team's average for for <laughs> You know, they average 50 penalty minutes against each other per game, like a combined 50 penalty minutes, which is, you know, yeah, you have power, moves, but it was so nasty last year. This year's a little bit more tame, but at the same time, I'd like to, I'd like to, uh, you know, see maybe a little bit of fire one of these days because it is, it is, it's fun in a way when you get to a game like that where it's nasty and it just adds another storyline. It was like the WWF wrestling, uh, ice skating hockey game combined last year. <laughs> Last time, I really liked it, and I really felt like that was when the Iowa Heartlanders fans kind of gelled against, you know, had something, had a rivalry, you know, had some common opponent that they played a lot that they could really get a, get going against. And I kind of felt like, really, that was what kind of started driving the attendance, wasn't it? I think so, too. You know, like right off the hop, it's like this is the first rival in team history, and it would happen so quick because Iowa played Kansas City so much in the first half. 
that, yeah, I think that that was a huge driving point, Dave. I think that's a pretty prudent point. Well, you know, just turn that song from trying on, triumph on and come out there and lay it on the line. You know what I mean? Lay it <laughs> on the line. Cause if this is the last chance. This is the last she bang for 2020. So, uh, you know, we got to get everybody out there, you know, if you're around and, uh, this, this could be, this could be magic. Couldn't it? I think so too. Yeah. I mean, like, last few games of the year and then you come back and you have a ton of home games in January. So, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about a lot over the next few weeks on future episodes. So yeah, like this is a, this is a great chance for the team to gel going into the, uh, the end of the year. Well, we got one minute left. You got anything else to say? No, I'm just looking forward to a, uh, you know, to, to a good end to 2022 and then for everyone listening, have a very safe and happy and, uh, you know, healthy start to the start to 2023 and the new year, Dave. Thanks again. So we got a game Friday and Saturday, right? That's right. Seven o'clock. Seven o'clock starts against the hated, dreaded Kansas City Monarchs. Oh, well, uh, I can't wait to take them on. And thanks for being with us, Dave. Absolutely. Thanks, Dave.